Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This is This Week in Caribbean Arts. I am Melissa Hunter with Sugarcane Magazine, and this is episode two. I am here with Maria Lena Ortiz and Suzanne Fredericks, AKA the art advisor with the most is Susie Wong, darling. I like Susie Wong because I feel like, like you're like this like sleuth who gets you like, amazing pieces that nobody knows about that is worth a million dollars. <laughs> that's part of the narrative. Yeah, that's part of the narrative. The seductress of the West. There, bam, there we, there we go. I love it, I love it. So this is This Week in Caribbean Art and Culture, episode two. We have a lot to talk about and we have some special guests here with Miami MOCAD um, out of Miami, Florida. They're gonna join us for an interview and conversation. But before we get to Miami MOCAD and have this conversation, we have to tell you the news and what's up and what to expect. Ladies and gents, today is October 14th, 2021 and Freeze London is going on as well as 154 Fair, but we're not there. <laughs> we are in our respective. <laughs> we are there virtually. We can see the virtual rooms. We're seeing the virtual rooms, but we're we're not in the building. But there's a lot of sugarcane readers and our friends who are there. But because they have virtual rooms, we can still see what's going on, um, both at 154 Fair and Freeze. So, ladies, what are you looking forward to looking at virtually at those two fairs? Well, I mean, I, I started looking at Freeze and just to, you know, it's always good to see where the Korean artists are at and where to go. Um, Cause it can feel, fair can feel like a scavenger hunt, even online. But I'm happy to report there were some people out there that they're having great work. Um, James Cohen, for example, they have really beautiful Fidele Bias's work and Natalie and Pierre. Um, both who are in the diaspora, Philly Dominican American, Natalie Haitian American, Gavla Gallery in LA has uh, a bunch of his Salakalam sculptures. Akavi Gupta has a beautiful painting by Manuel Matthew. Oh, wow. Hauser and Worth, if you're, you know, if you're there kind of dropping down the coins, you should definitely <laughs> go to Hauser and Worth because they have a beautiful Frank Bowling and a beautiful Simone Lee sculpture. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, those are the ones. And then if you're feeling more experimental, there's a, a video by Sonia Boyce in Simon Lee Gallery. Um, and then of course, uh, Lelong has a really nice Ana Mendieta and a beautiful Celia Sanchez. Guatemala and Guatemala also has a Caribbean coast at Garcaleo, that's, that's who they're, they're showing for the fair. So there's a little bit, but there's enough, I think for everyone. Painting yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a look around um, 154 and in their partnership with um, Christie's as well. And as a predominantly African fair, um, I mean, Susie Wong did a, in 2018, we were part of the special projects. There's a handful of Caribbean artists there that's really interesting. There's Gio Swaby from the Bahamas, who's with Claire Oliver Gallery, um, I think based in Harlem. Some yes. really yeah. beautiful work, you know, textile artists doing really well, still... Yes still in her um, schooling, amazingly living in Toronto. Um, there was also a Jamaican artist that I was unaware of, Cheryl McIntosh. She lives in Berlin, where it was really interesting. Um, and a Haitian artist, Franz Lamoth, um, whose work I really loved actually. So I'll, I'll be checking him out more as time goes on and talking to the gallery. Um, but those were the, the 
the dominant ones in the in the 154 that stood out to me. Love it. And I'm really, really proud of, of Claire Oliver. The, the gallery really has a great roster of artists. Um, yeah, they have Lisa Butler. She's amazing. Claire's yeah. like this. She's Which, like an energizer bunny. She's <laughs> yeah, yes. she is. Yeah. We just acquired one Lisa Butler for the Paris Art Museum Miami, which was exciting. Uh, oh, nice. I was so excited about that. I was like, look at this. And it was kind yeah. of almost like a full circle because you were in that issue where she was on the cover. I was like, oh my Yeah, God. I feel like you instigated this, Melissa. <laughs> I feel like I instigated this too. <laughs> I do, do. You did, you did. But, uh, but yeah, this is, um, it, I, I feel like there was really great work this year. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little jealous. But next year, like for real, for real. We I'm should, we should make it a point to go. I mean, there was also, I mean, I, I forgot to mention Anne Golifer, who's an artist from Guyana, Amerindian, um, and I think British. She lives in Botswana, apparently. But I was really, I was more taken with the work. And then I discovered that she was Guyanese originally really like um, beautiful okra painting on this tissue-like surface. Mm -hmm. So, so fragile, but um, huge, you know, and it was paneled. You'd have to go and have a look online, but she's worth a mention as well. Sorry to interrupt. No, you know, I feel like this year that this year was probably like a, a real celebration, you know, not so much around Freeze New York, but I feel like with the armory that I think the art world is starting to like celebrate a little bit like, oh, we're back. We can do what we, you know, did in the past, you know, let's, let's celebrate, let's see each other. We haven't seen each other for so long, all these Zoom meetings and, you know, mm -hmm. we have a chance to be together. So, and I feel like London was, is maybe one of those quiet parties, right? Which means that, what did I say I didn't like about Miami is that the party atmosphere, which means it's probably going to be like bananas <laughs> in December, but I, I would, you know, I can understand, understand why. So I, uh, yes, I will be there next year for sure. So look, if you're listening and you want to sponsor us and sponsor a hotel stay for us, how long should we stay, ladies? Seven days, 10 days? 10 days <laughs> with our children. Lord have mercy. That's quite a journey. <laughs> Send a message. <laughs> you know, I, I do want to say something, though. You know, the fair looks great online, but it did take me a while to like find the Caribbean artists. And I do think that, you know, there's some representation, but in the grand scheme of things, there's not a lot of representation. Uh, so obviously it points to the need that we need to collect, collect. If you're, if you're listening, check out those artists and collect, 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 but also that we need to keep, you know, creating more space. Um, yeah. For Caribbean artists. That's a good conversation to have. And a good conversation to have next year at Freeze London. Call us, we'll have it for you. So that's 154 Fair, Freeze. Pretty much, I would assume that they're gonna sell out this weekend, sell out what they have. However, if you can't get a piece by, um, can't get one of the pieces that were featured in one of these fairs, contact the galleries. You know, the, the artist has other work. You may see something else that you would like to purchase, collect for the future and keep a, a, a really good relationship with them um, because you have your opportunity to bring them into your home. Next, Gallery of Jamaica is reopening or has it reopened? Yes. 
Um, I'm on the board of the National Gallery. I'm, a, I'm exhibitions chair. So we've been having real challenges because, you know, the Delta variant came here quite late for the first time. Jamaica went into a more serious lockdown, um, more sustained. So it was very difficult to open. And we kept having, when we did open, a case would come up and, you know, staff would have to quarantine and vaccines weren't here yet. And there was all this... Um, Kind of anxiety around it and we have this uh, fantastic show Jamaica Jamaica the history of Jamaican music um, which was originally curated by Sebastian Carayol for Philharmonie in Paris the Philharmonie Museum um, and it traveled here and we opened right before the pandemic um, hit so we opened in February we had like big youth we had a big party to open it was a lot of fun and a really wonderful show and but it's been closed for most of the time it's been installed so we just opened um about two weeks ago so i would urge people if you're coming to jamaica if you're already in jamaica you know by all means come and we're doing organized tours of course the restrictions are in protocols are in place um, but it's a show well worth seeing there's a lot of interactive um, installations. There's also a fabulous um, Radio Jamaica, it's called. It's an app where you can wow. just like tune in and it's, it's um, you know, reggae music has an international kind of expertise. A lot of people have been into for a long time. So there's a young, um, I can't remember his name, that's terrible. Um, he's, a, he's a young music kind of head and he has curated this radio station and has donated it to the show and it was it was used in Paris and it really is one of the more special things about the show that you can take home listen anytime it's a real vibe you know and you have different eras of music and stuff um so that's open we're going to we've um, extended all the loan agreements so that we can continue the exhibition till January and we will just try our best to stay open so people can enjoy that exhibition. It also has a fabulous catalogue, I would say. And you can go on and um, go on to the National Gallery to make a social media and request that if you like. We have like six essays, some fabulous visuals, a really beautiful catalogue and well worth getting if you can't see the show itself. Um, National Gallery has a satellite gallery in the west of Jamaica. Um, in Montego Bay at the cultural center there. Um, a beautiful old building in the square, um, a smaller space, but still a really great space. Um, it's run by one of the curators, Monique Gilpin. And we have a show there, Surreal Black, which is a really interesting historical survey um, about, it's intergenerational, but it really is about um, ideas around the black self from back in the 40s to present day. So it's very interesting. And um, if you follow them on um, Instagram, you'll get some good indications and you could possibly get a, an online tour if you like, like Monique could walk you around the show so you could get some access. I would love to do that. Yeah, I can organize that for you for sure. Awesome, thank you, Susie. Yeah, pleasure. Um, yes, yeah, so those two are open and we're really pleased to be open and we're gonna try and stay open. There you go. So here in the States, the National Endowment for the Arts um, was able to get money from the feds to help um, cultural organizations. And we had lots of grants for cultural organizations. Does Jamaica have an infrastructure like that? Was there help from your government? Yes, the Ministry of Culture. I mean, uh, National Gallery is under the umbrella of the Institute of Jamaica. Um, I think we're one of the strongest in terms of the Anglophone Caribbean, certainly, um, with institutional 
uh, support for culture. Uh, so the national collection driven essentially by a handful of people like patrons, but uh, Dr. David Boxer <clears throat> knew it was like hugely important to collect the visual production and the artistic production around as, as Jamaica kind of, you know, pre-independence, post-independence, the ideas of nationhood and the flux of political ideological stances and who we were and where we were going in the world in the context we were coming from. Um, so, I mean, grants are difficult, you know, um, that's always been a challenge locally. There's not much in terms of public funding or um, independent kind of nonprofits funding. Our funding usually comes from outside. The US Embassy has a culture fund okay. and we have applied to that. And I think recently they got a grant for about 6 million Jamaican dollars, let me say, <laughs> um, for our conservation area and equipment. And so we're, we're gonna be able to do a new conservation room for our conservator. So we have a series of projects that we do. And when we had a big show like Jamaica, Jamaica, Philharmonie, of course, were very generous. You know, you have to like negotiate the fees and things like that. And there are all these logistics around shipping and the, the content of the show and what can come and what can't and customs and all these logistical issues as an island. But we worked out a budget and the Ministry of Culture knew how important this was this, as an exhibition and they supported it. And they have also supported the upcoming Kingston Biennial. And then we look for sponsorship and funding elsewhere. NLS is a nonprofit locally, um, very strong. And they, 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 their new program, I said new, it's been going for about two years now, but their ongoing program is a Prince Klaus Fund grant um, and really, really wonderful work they're doing locally. Maria, I know that you're based in Miami, but have the institutions in Puerto Rico, have they been given monies to, excuse me, to stay open and to, to help their collections or anything? It's an interesting situation because, you know, Maria happened. So right. before the pandemic, there was already this economy of survival, extreme survival. So there was money given to keep institutions open some of it actually through the Flamboyant Fund, which is something that Emmanuel Miranda started. So they were, you know, the institutions there are operating under that premise. Um, that's my understanding, that they were already kind of in this very survival mode. And at that moment, um, uh, other organizations in the U.S., like the Mellon Foundation, for example, they also started to support uh, institutions there to try to keep them open afloat from the hurricane. So it's a little bit, you know, <laughs> there is a little bit more complicated okay. because it was already um, in an extreme situation. Gotcha. Yeah. But we... the museums are, some of the museums are open though. Okay. Some of the museums are open and I have colleagues that are working um, and that are opening shows like the Museum of Contemporary Art, for example, they open a show by uh, Tony Cruz um, a couple of months ago, which um, I know that we're going to have an interview later that speaks about like Afro-Latin identity, but his work speaks about that specifically with the through looking at salsa music and how in its origins, it used a lot of Afro-Caribbean motifs in like the covers of this big, you know, salsa musicians like um, uh, El Gran Combo and so on. So, um, and that's, and they're planning for other shows. So they're open. Yeah. Both of you ladies, in particular, Susie, if there is there a way that those of us from the West can maybe, you know, give financial support? Can we make a donation to the museum? Do you accept donations? And do you accept donations yes, from the country? 
Yes, the National Gallery does accept donations. I'm not sure about the process. I can certainly find out, maybe bring it to the table next time. Um, I do think, um, I mean, we are trying to formalize that into a kind of fund so that it can be ongoing and really provide more stability for the gallery in terms of programming. Um, and so, yes, I mean, very casual for now in terms of, you know, donations are you can you can call the gallery or you can email them, DM them on social media if, if you wish to make a donation of any sort and they'll give you the information to do so. But I am hoping we can formalize that into a into more meaningful and sustainable channel. Good morning, Marilyn. So today we have a special guest, two special guests joining us uh, for our interview section, and I'm really proud to have them on. If any of you remember any of my conversations from Clubhouse or you remember my bio, you saw that I talked a lot about a, muse a museum that will open soon. And we're going to put that out in that atmosphere that it opens soon, Miami MoCAD. Well, I actually have the co-founder of Miami MoCat here. I'm really pleased to have her. She's a very good friend and she does phenomenal work, even though they don't have a physical building just yet. Hint, 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 you'll be able to help with that and we'll tell you how. Um, it's great that she still does pop-ups and she's still able to bring the diaspora to Miami, even during our boss of Miami Beach. So if you're in town, you will likely be able to see something that um, they've branded. And then we also have another special guest who is a guest of Miami MoCAD, uh, Mr. Orlando Addison. Marilyn, good morning. Good morning and thanks so much for having us. And thank you for allowing Miami MoCAD, otherwise known as the Miami Museum of Contemporary Art of the Af African Diaspora, which seeks to be a museum that showcases exhibits, discovers, commission, the best of contemporary art of Africa and its global diaspora, the African diaspora. And we really welcome this opportunity to talk about our upcoming series. Miami MoCAD decided to, with a wonderful, wonderful collaboration with Orlando Addison, to focus on Afro-Latinx for Af Caribbean Heritage Month. And in that we have created a series of conversations, virtual conversations. You may go to our website at Miami MOCAD, that's Miami, M-O-C-A-A-D dot org and register for our upcoming program which will be next Thursday virtually on Facebook Live, Zoom, and Instagram Live. We hope that you will register and come to our program six o'clock next Thursday, October 21st. That program and will follow the first program that we had earlier this month where Orlando and Yvette Rodriguez, who's the founder of Afro-Latinx Professionals, engaged in a conversation about the many labels and their origins and how they were aimed to insult and to diminish Black people and how they, some have evolved, but Orlando gave hidden histories about labels that separate, but in today's world, we seek to bring people together. I want Orlando, I, I, I wanted to say one word about Orlando that 
I believe it was in 2018 when I met him. And it was at a wonderful first summit of Afro-Latinx in Miami that he created. And it was a two-day series of talks, networking, and ended with a reception. And it was one of the most wonderful coming together within the diversity of the African diaspora. So Melissa, I hope that Orlando will have an opportunity to talk about one, what he plans to talk about on next Thursday in that conversation that will be moderated by Yvette Rodriguez, founder of the Afro-Latinx, Afro-Latino professionals here in Miami. You know, and it's such a, a timely conversation. We're in October, which is um, Latino History Month. And I'm saying Latino History Month because <laughs> my daughter always, we always have these conversations about um, Latino and Latinx. There was a really fantastic conversation and um, symposium around the word Latinx at PAM. Maria, which I'm sure you remember. Yeah, I organized. That was my baby. Oh, my babies. and it was yeah. so, it was so good. Um, yeah. And it was so interesting watching the responses, right? So, yeah. and it was really like generational, like watching the older people and the younger people like really battle it out. Really, that's what it was. But I really, really enjoyed that. So like I say Latino with my hands up, like I'm going to get it together. But Orlando, I had a chance to watch your talk last week and it was really interesting and it was really timely because of the time that we're in. And we don't typically get a chance to hear people with African roots have these conversations. You know, we hear them from everyone else, but we don't actually hear from, you know, the scholars who actually live this culture. So thank you for joining us. And if you can give us a little taste of what you spoke about last Thursday. Well, th thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to be here and I uh, want to thank uh, Miami Evoca for the opportunity to really join them in this a wonderful conversation to talk about uh, the Afro-Latino community and also the Afro-Latino experience. And last week's conversation or the, the serious conversation before was a, a very interesting one in which uh, a, Yvette Rodriguez and I were able to engage in, in this uh, conversation that you mentioned, that you said uh, very seldom we have that kind of conversation, excuse me, among us. And so um, uh, talking about particularly the word black, for example, which is a word that we use um, constantly and, uh, but we don't know or don't have not uh, done the research to uh, find out um, of the origin of all these labels that uh, the word black had. And so we were able to engage in, in, in that conversation. Uh, the one that, that is coming up on the 21st, this one will be more in depth. It's, um, the idea is to really explore uh, more about um, the, uh, the uh, presence of the European in Latin America uh, and, uh, and also how the, the uh, philosophical and, and political and economics um, and even some of the theological aspects, because you have to understand that when the Europeans came over, they also brought the church with them. They also brought Christianity with them. And so uh, the church and, the, and theology had a lot to do in terms of, uh, you know, changing the, the policy and politics 
of, of the land. Uh, so we, we will engage a little bit in terms, in terms of that, talking also about um, some uh, Africans who played a significant role, vital role in discovery, in the discovery of, of, um, of the, uh, the, the new world. Um, uh, for example, and I'm not gonna go deep into it, but uh, there was a, uh, an African uh, who in Mexico who uh, uh, was able to help the conquistadores uh, translate. He learned the language of the Aztecs um, and he was able to, uh, to help translate uh, from uh, Aztec language to the Spanish, to the conquistadores. Uh, and these are, are, are just, this is just an example of many of the men and women, African men and women, who, who helped, uh, you know, uh, reshape uh, the, uh, the new world. Uh, and, uh, but their names are not in the textbook. Their name, we don't talk about them. We don't, we don't hear about these heroes and heroines who um, really did wonderful work uh, during the, the, um, uh, the conquest of, of, uh, of Latin America. We will talk also about the presence of uh, Africans in the new world. Uh, how that uh, you know happened uh, and, and um, uh, why it happened and, and why you know it was the uh, Africans were replaced uh, what were, uh, what the indigenous people were replaced with Africans and so all that we'll, we will be having you know the conversation and and uh, and hope that we have a, a good time on, on, on the 21st and, and thank you for the opportunity to uh, to join that's very interesting. I mean, I'm from Puerto Rico, so um, uh, you know everything that you're saying resonates with me as a black woman from a Latin place, Afro Latina. And you know, Puerto Rico has a very interesting history in which that you probably know that there was a moment that the Spanish crown gave blacks who were enslaved people that were helping them against pirates, they gave a piece of land to be free there. And so there was a moment in history where they had a free population of blacks living alongside enslaved people. Um, and that created different dynamics um, in the in the island. And I'm suspicious that other enslaved blacks knew about this area because my great grandmother uh, was supposedly from France, and she was probably from a French colony, and she traveled there. I'm assuming how she got there, who knows? But she was she became part of this community, right? Um, so so it just sounds very interesting. And also, um, you know, I think that the more we can talk about different experiences of race within the American uh, continent, you know, the US, the Caribbean, Latin America, the more um, powerful we're going to be uh, as, a com as a transnational community. Absolutely. And so I was on that talk last week and I was the one who asked the question, you know, what books should we read? So what should we have on our bookshelves to, you know, not only prepare us for your upcoming talks, but just for our own, you know, our own education, you know, like I said, we don't typically have a, a, an opportunity to speak to Afro-Latino scholars about their history. We typically hear from someone else. So what should I put on my bookshelf? Where should I begin? Well, one of the, the books that, uh, because Maria mentioned Puerto Rico, and that is uh, uh, the, the Slave Revolt uh, in Puerto Rico is one, one of the books. I don't remember exactly the author of, of that book, but it's a very interesting narrative in terms of how the Africans who were enslaved in Puerto Rico basically, you know, uh, organized themselves to um, uh, to protest against the inhumane situation they they were living in, and, and how the the uh, uh, you know the politics involved and 
and and and the community that but basically actually manage I guess uh, the uh, the economy and the politics of the of the land uh, in, um, created a system to repress uh, these revolts in, in, in Puerto Rico and not only in Puerto Rico but also in many uh, in, uh, states um, and and countries in Latin America so that's that would be one of the books that I would um, I would recommend to, I think to I learn just, more about that. And I think I just found it. So slave revolts in Puerto Rico, <clears throat> excuse yes, me, slave, slave revolts revolt. in Puerto Rico, conspiracies and uprisings by Guillermo Baralt. Yes, yes, okay. very good, exactly. Thank you. Because I didn't know that at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to mention that, you know, the MacArthur Genius Grants were just given and Daniel, Daniel Ring Ramos is an Afro-Latino uh, from Puerto Rico whose work is inspired by all these histories of, of resistance and Black resistance from in Loisa, um, just got a MacArthur Genius Grant. So it's like a really nice also, if you're, if you're looking at art about books, then you can also look at artists to watch. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed, definitely. Yeah, I love it. So we will definitely make sure that that is on our bookshelf. So Marilyn, Orlando, thank you so much for coming. Before we go, some housekeeping. If someone wants to attend the future talks, where can they go to register? Please go to our website at Miami MOCAD, M-O-C-A-A-D dot org. You may register for the upcoming October 21st virtual conversation and you will see information about the conversation on November 4th and November 28th. You may subscribe to our newsletter at miamimocad.org. You may, you may look at, you may find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, as well as Twitter. And you will also be able to register on Facebook. The show will be streamed live on Facebook and you may register for your Zoom link and join us. For our creative conversations, including Orlando's uh, creative conversation from two weeks ago, you may go to our YouTube channel. That's Miami MoCat YouTube channel and see prior creative conversations including the conversation from October 7th involving the history of various labels. And you'll be surprised at what you learn in that recording. I love it, I love it, thank you. And also one more thing. So if you are in South Florida and you don't have to live in South Florida, but if you're in South Florida, we have something called Give Miami Day. And Miami MOCAD is one of the organizations that you can give to. So we would just need to go to give, is it givemiamiday.org, Marilyn, do you know? Right, givemiamiday.org. Um, we will be posting Give Miami Day um, donation buttons when they become live. Give Miami Day early giving starts November 15th through 17th. Okay. November 18th is the official Give Miami Day. No donation, I believe, is too small, maybe down to $10 or $25 they accept. And of course, no donation is too large. Your donation will support our amazing interns. As Melissa said, mm -hmm. Miami MOCAD is a museum in planning. 
and we have a team of amazing student interns that make Miami MOCAD move forward. And we also have a director of interactive media. And as we go forward in 2022 to master plan the virtual and brick and mortar structure for the museum, your donations will help our team be able to produce more newsletters, produce more creative conversations. And when COVID subsides, produce more pop-up exhibits. So thank you. And we hope that you join us next Thursday at six o'clock on Facebook Live, or you may register for your Zoom link. And we also hope that you join us for Give Miami Day, either during early giving and then give again on <laughs> November 18th. Thank you very much. I love it. Marilyn Orlando, thank you for joining us. You are on episode two. You are our second guest. Well, it. thank you so much for having <laughs> us, yeah. Melissa, yeah. Maria, Elena. I am so proud of you. This is so wonderful. And let us know how we can help and collaborate in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Will do. Yeah. Will do. Thank you, Melissa, for the opportunity. And it was good to see uh, be Susie and, and oh, Elena. To meet you. Yes, and all of you. Thank you so good much for, you, yeah. for uh, giving us this, this uh, platform. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so speaking of Give Miami Day, real quick, let's shout out the two organizations that I think we need to, to shout out to give as well. So Give Miami Day is November 18th, and I am with the Opelaka Community Development Corporation. You, they do arts programming, even though it sounds like a, a, an economic engine, but they are also very interested in the arts. The CEO, who is one of my favorite people, Dr. Willie Logan is not only is he a genius, but he's an art collector um, in his real life. And he does it for fun. He doesn't do it for any other great reason than he just really enjoys collecting art. He went to 154 Fair a few years ago um, when he was bringing me on the board. And I was like, hey, do you mind bringing me the little catalog that they published? And he did. It was really nice of him. So he's really fantastic. If you have seen um, Hank Willis Thomas's um, Afro pick, in South Florida, the first one ever put up in the United States was actually in Opelaka, Florida. And that was based on his relationship with Dr. Logan. So he is an arts, um, an arts supporter, an arts fan, and his organization does do arts programming. So you can give to them. Um, and I would appreciate it if you did. Um, on November 18th, like she mentioned, Marilyn mentioned, there's also early giving that starts November 15th. And then Maria Elena is with our flagship museum here in Miami. Flagship. Let's say it together, church. Flag flagship. Flagship. <laughs> which means, oh, you got a museum. You got a, yes, you do. But flagship is who? What is Paris it? Art museum. Paris Art Museum, Miami. Bam. That means what? You need to give somebody to Pam. When you come into town yes. for our Basel, Miami Beach. You go to the park. Who are you guys gonna have for the party this year? You had treats. We're gonna have the party. In the past. No party. Yeah, it's I cannot divulge yet, but we're gonna have the party. Oh. But they're gonna have so a party. at the party, enjoying the enjoying the event. Yes, you're gonna go to the party. You're gonna go to the party. You're gonna go because Franklin is there because you support Black art. You think it's dope that they have a Black director because you're gonna go. So let's not pretend like you're not going. And if you're gonna go, what does that mean? 
give them a little extra money. Oh, I'm giving them money to get in. Give them a little bit extra, <laughs> okay? You know that we've gone through like the craziest two years ever. Yes, COVID. yes. Um, the museum, all museums around the country pretty much had to shut down. And even when they did open, they did not have the same audience. And while you will probably yeah. flood the museum in December, give them a little extra, a little hundred dollars, a little 500, a little thousand dollars, $20,000, whatever works. Yeah, I'm whatever works. <laughs> whatever works. There's no small donation. Or none too large, as Marilyn said. Yeah, I'm not too, not too yeah. big. I think you better tell them not too big. And then you can also give some to what? Mm -hmm. National Gallery of Jamaica. Why? Because you want to go to Jamaica. Because why? Because you're tired of being in the United States. We don't lock down. Yes. Having people constantly talk to you about this vaccine 20 hours a day. You can't do this, can't do that, afraid to touch people. Not in Florida, though. Not in Florida. Well, true. But you're going to want to get out of here because you know everybody loves to go to Jamaica yes. anyway. If all the Caribbean countries that get love, what yes. the most? Jamaica, too. Kingston stand up. So what do you do? Oh, and you know what? The National Gallery of Jamaica has an awesome director. He's really yes. dope in real and life. And an awesome curator, too. Yes. Like, real dope, down-to-earth people. Before the end of the year, what do you do? Take some money off your tax. Oh, I don't know if it's tax deductible because it's a different country. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Do it for the culture. Slide some Absolutely. We'll jump on the Give Miami Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give Kingston, give Jamaica, give, yes. give the Global South. There you go. If you've gone to college, somebody bought you a, the Bob Marley Legacy CD, you had your introduction. Slide <laughs> money over that way. The <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. And also, if you want to be a sponsor of This Week in Caribbean Art, you have a full opportunity to do so. What does that mean? That means that you can reach out to me at editor at sugarcanemedia.net and I will make that happen for you. There's nothing like supporting Black media in these three beautiful Black women that you're listening to. Honorary. Amen. Two in one honor. So <laughs> yes. we are ready to sign off. But before we go, there's some things that we think that you should pay attention to that we're loving this week and you should pay attention to as well. Suzanne, what should we pay attention to? Um, this this last week, Jack Bell Gallery in London opened the Varman Rose new show a Bahamian artist um, who has a long-term career in the international art scene. But this new body of work is so beautiful. I mean, I've only seen it online. I've seen LeVar's work in the flesh and the materiality of the work, the kind of language he's developed around the work. He was in the Perez Museum, the other side of now as well. Um, he had a presence there, but this new body of work seems deeply personal and um, autobiographical. So it has a lot to do with his life in the Bahamas and his where he's coming from and this um, kind of tensions around authority and power. And uh, he's also interested in some family stories. It's just really beautiful work. And if you have a chance, if you're in London for 154 and freeze, or if you live there, I would, I would recommend that show. I would love to see it myself. <laughs> gotcha, Maria. So I want to give a shout out to two shows, one that's opening if you're in London, and if you're going to stay a couple of weeks, Thomas Dane Gallery opened a beautiful show by Jamaican artist Harvin Anderson, 
you know, Hervin Anderson is one of those amazing painters that depicts this, this beautiful compositions that speak about life in Jamaica, but also time in diasporas. He was um, raised in the UK and they're just beautiful paintings. Uh, I mean, his, his approach towards like the material and color is just, I mean, I have, I keep saying beautiful because that's really what it is. And it also has a very nostalgic type of romantic approach towards um, the Caribbean and Jamaica specifically. So they're very intimate, powerful, and beautiful. And then since we talked about Afro, oh, go ahead. Yes, I wanted to say, I mean, Hervin Anderson, I've always loved. I met him at a talk years ago and I want, I, you know, I went up to him afterwards and asked him if, you know, he was ever in Jamaica, would he engage like with the art school or if there was something that I could help facilitate. And he said, no, and he really didn't seem very engaged with the possibility. And um, this new body of work, he turns out he came to Jamaica, I think, the year before last, uh, for the first time in a long time with his family. And I think there, I think what you say about the work in terms of the romantic and the nostalgia, I think there was so much there. Um, and for me, it's just a joy to see him engage with this landscape instead of like, you know, the barbershops and all of this. It's very, a lot of the natural world in the work and stuff. I just think it's interesting that he's come home and I would love to see this new body of work as well. Yeah, I mean, and that's a great segue to the second show I want to sing out because it just points to how multifaceted we are, I guess, with Caribbean identity and um, that we're just multiple things, right? And right now, I say my, uh, Miami, there's a show by a painter called Dato Gata who was born in Cuba, then formed as an artist in the Dominican Republic and now living in PR in Puerto Rico. And his work, you know, he's a queer artist, I guess, a white Latino, we would say, but he also depicts a lot of black figures in his work. And I remember speaking, and I actually wrote for the book of the catalog and speaking a lot about, to him about that. And he was saying, well, first of all, you know, I come from a marginalized group of people in the Caribbean as a gay man, but also these people of color, those are, those are my friends. Those are the people that are there. Those are the people that I, that I are in communion with. So I just find that interesting to think about how, you know, how, yeah, the experience of race and how it is experienced in the Caribbean in contrast to other contexts in the, in the, in the world. And when you see these paintings, you know, they have men and at times females of different races, but there's always, he depicts them in such like a proudness approach and it's beauty and it's humbleness. Uh, that it's not, you know, it's not exoticizing. It's not all this other stuff that we don't like. It's very, it's a very, you know, it's just equal. This is, this is who we are as people that I also find um, if you're in Miami and I think the show is going to be up for our vassal. So you have time Great. to see it and, and let me know what you think. Awesome. Awesome. And so I want to shout out Alexander Adachea. He is doing something at Soshiro, which is a curated gallery of collectible art and design. So he has um, some new furniture design that is available and it's on view right now during freeze. I don't really see where, when it ends, but um, I met Alexander in, I think 2016 or 2017. He had a, a little event at his studio in the Little River area of Miami. I had no idea that that area exists because it's kind of like this little jewel of a neighborhood in the middle of the hood that <laughs> I didn't know was there. So I went there and I was like, what is this? I've never even heard of this area before and I've lived here for 20 years. 
So I had a chance to meet him there. And um, he sent me a little message on, on Instagram. And I was like, oh, I said, this is beautiful. I didn't know that he did furniture. I don't know how I missed that, even though it makes perfect sense. Um, so that's on view. Um, if you're interested in going, it's at 23 Welbeck Street in London in the UK. Um, if you're there now, go in, take a peek. If you plan on going to London within the next two or three weeks, take a little a little ride over and, and see his work and support um, our brother doing great work. All right, so before <laughs> we go, so the ladies are doing things constantly on a daily basis. They see great things, they um, discover great things, and it's definitely important to follow us to see what's going on. So ladies, where can we follow you on social and on the web? You can follow me on Instagram. I am Contemporary Chica. Yep, you can follow me too on Instagram. I'm at Susie Wong Presents. That's the best place. It really is. I really love your name. And of <laughs> course, I don't go on my personal Instagram as much anymore because I'm too busy trying to do something else. But you can go over to Sugarcane Magazine on Instagram and follow us. Also on Fridays, you can find This Week in Black Arts. Um, on the website and this week in African art on Saturdays. So always slide over to the site for that. Um, definitely follow us on the grams. Every week we're gonna to try to do something where we can actually bring people in and have conversations. There's a very interesting conversation going on right now. For those of you who are Meek Mill fans, and if you say, who is Meek Mill? Go to Instagram and Sugarcane Magazine and learn all about it. Ladies, have a good weekend. Have a productive weekend. Be safe so that we can see you next week. Thank you very much, Melissa. Thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great weekend. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.